This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Global Youth Day. Reaching out cultures, colors, and communities. Coming to a church near you, March 20, 2021. We would love to see all your posts on Facebook and Instagram. Use the hashtag GYD21. And make sure you tune in to our kickoffs on our Facebook page, GC Youth Ministries. Now back to the rest of our podcast. Hi, I'm Professor Mwenya. And I'm Professora Kenya. And welcome to the GC Youth Ministries podcast, you plus me plus we Sabbath school edition. Woohoo! So grab your Bible and grab your Sabbath school wherever it is. If it's a physical copy or on your phone like mine, the whole Sabbath school or just the lesson. Yeah. Uh-huh. And a pencil <laughs> and some <laughs> highlighters and uh, take a seat somewhere. <laughs> This week's Sabbath school lesson is titled Doing the Impossible, and the verse is taken from Isaiah 53, verse 5. But he was punished for what we did. He was crushed because of our guilt. He took the punishment we deserved, and he brought us peace. Oh, sorry. I was reading the verse because I have another version. (laughs) And I was like, he brought us peace. Where? And then I was like, oh, okay. Because mine ends with, and by his stripes, we are healed. Which version is that? Which Bible version is that? NIV? No. um, ERV. Oh, what's that? English Revolution version. (laughs) Still no. Okay. Um, Well, this week, uh, we're going into, again, we're, you know, the last Sabbath school lessons that we've been discussing and reviewing, they've been very like um, specific topics about what was happening in history with Israel, with um, the Hebrews in that time. But as of last week and in this lesson, we're kind of moving away from what's happening in that history, in that point in history and time specifically to them into the redemption arc. Yeah. Into the, you know, the prophecies of the servant who is going to come and is going to be hurt for us and is going to. Well, there's a lot of things we're going to discuss. I know that Mwenya has taken notes and she is ready. All the notes. Um, and she's going to help us get into Monday. But just quickly here, I really like the story they brought us about um, a Chinese Christian uh, man. Yeah. Lo, 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 fuk. And it says that he was moved with compassion for those of his compatriots who had become slaves in South American mines. He wanted to give them the hope of the gospel. But how could he have access to them? His solution was to sell himself for a term of five years as a slave. He was transported to Demarara, Demarara, I'm going to say in Spanish, Demarara, (laughs) where he toiled in the mines and told his fellow workers about Jesus. Lo Fook died, but not until 200 people were liberated from hopelessness by mm. accepting Jesus as their savior. And it says such amazing self-sacrifice for the good of others. What an example. How many of us would ever be willing to go that far for the gospel? Um, you don't have to answer it now. We don't leave it as a rhetorical question. Leave it as something you can meditate on. Um, because I think we're going to, as we go through this lesson, realize that when we say we want to be more like Jesus, being more like Jesus looks more like low fook. 
What's that verse? No greater love has no man than this than one to lay down his life for, for his, his friends. friends. Exactly. And we're going to, I think that, that, you know, yeah, this, this lesson is going to help us kind of put a mirror in front of ourselves and say, are we taking this whole Jesus follower thing seriously? Or is just something we, that makes us feel better about ourselves? You know, and I think that's the ultimate question. Uh, do you want to be a servant of God or do you not want to be? And what does that really look like? So with that in mind, let's dive into Sunday. This Sabbath school lesson on Sunday is titled The Suffering Servant. And it talks about how this servant had to suffer to save the humans. It tells us that the savior of the whole earth, he controls everything in heaven and earth, but he did not save himself. This is very strange. People have had a hard time believing it's true. When Jesus was on the cross, leading leaders laughed at him and made fun of him. They say he is the chosen one, the one, the Christ, that let him save himself. He saved others, didn't he? If he's the king, he should be able to come down from the cross and save himself. Jesus suffered. He was put, the crown of thorns was put on him. He was lashed. He was spit at in the face. And yet he still didn't save himself. He endured all that suffering so that he may save us and may be one with us. So the same Savior who came and um, is known as the King of Kings, the Prince of Princes, the one who came down to save us, had to suffer. What does that tell us about what we should be doing and how we should be living our lives? What's that one verse? If they hit you on one cheek, turn oh, the turn cheek, the turn cheek. the other cheek. He was literally showing us that, showing us how um, to live that and make that happen. Mercy. <laughs> Wenya has a hard time. So Monday talks about the poem Isaiah wrote for the suffering servant. Earlier in Isaiah, Isaiah tells us that some things will happen to the servant. He learned that the special way that he will he was born, he saw the Savior will be the future son of David. The Savior will bring Israel back to God and make them strong. The Savior will end the suffering of his people. The Savior will also make right and fair. The Savior will suffer before he gets glory. And this poem really highlights these things. And it's amazing to me the juxtaposition of all those things that he's doing, that Isaiah is professing will happen and he will do, but he's still going to suffer, even though he's going to um, rid the people from all their sins, make everything fair. How is he making it fair but still having to endure such pain? while being a, such a perfect person as well. Mm-hmm. In his in Isaiah's poem that they're calling the poem of the suffering servant, it's taken from Isaiah 52, verse 15, to Isaiah 53, verse 12. And in the first part of it, from Isaiah 52, verse 3, to 53, verse 1, um, the poem gets us ready. And these verses tell us that the servant will be given glory, but first he will suffer much. His suffering will change the way he looks. People will know him, but will not believe. In Isaiah 53, 2 and 3, starts telling us where the servant comes from. He does not look handsome and beautiful. He looks plain. So he will be made very sad. People must turn against him. 
Isaiah 53, 4 through 6 explains that this servant is being punished for us. He accepts the punishment to heal us. In Isaiah 53, 7 through 9 tells us that this servant is innocent and he dies. In 53, 10 to 12, the servant gets his reward and glory. We learn that he dies because this is part of the plan for God to save the sinners. If you have time um, this week or if you already did, make sure you go through those verses and really read that. But that's the summary of what those verses are kind of telling us and going through through that explanation. When we see how Jesus had to endure the suffering, is there counsel for how we should go about that too? If you turn to Isaiah 2 verse 5 and through 11, it says, Have this attitude in yourselves, which also was in Jesus Christ who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality to God as a thing to be grasped. He emptied himself, taking a form of a bound servant and being made in the likeness of man. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient even to the point of death, even death on the cross. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, mm. and of those who are in heaven and earth and under the earth, Ooh. that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Mm. Jesus literally took himself from heaven, came down here, and then, in a way, even allowed himself to be regarded lower than other humans Mm -hmm. so he didn't just put himself in the same place we are but was like Mm -mm. go ahead spit on my face whip me and even though he had the power and the strength to do that he emptied himself of that that's a sacrifice even us humans aren't able to do someone Mm -hmm. spits in your face and you're like oh it's on (laughs) you did not just do that you know what i mean (laughs) think about how much restraint that takes because it's not like jesus could have just like hit him jesus could have literally like banished him to like hell like you know what i mean his 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 strength was so much more than us humans and how much restraint do you think that takes so if jesus could have done it we can too Mm. hallelujah pray for me um because i don't know i mean it's i'll i'll share something that i think i've shared here on the podcast before but something that i always consider one of the things that i admire a lot about wilson my husband, not Ted Wilson. Your husband. My husband. <laughs> One of the things that I admire about Wilson is how patient he is. Mm. Like to really get Wilson like upset, you kind of have to do a lot. And he has so much patience for things that sometimes I'm like, how are you still on the phone with that person? I yeah. would have smashed the phone already. Like I would have been over it. And I could easily say like, oof, that could, you know, that could never be me. That's yeah. a level of patience that I can't acquire because that, To me, a very, very, very impatient person. I'm very impatient with people in particular. Mm -hmm. I feel like I could never attain that. But when I think about that, then I go, okay, but what is Wilson doing in his life on a regular basis that allows him to To have that level? To maintain that patience. And then I go, what am I not doing that he is that clearly it's working for him? What is Wilson doing that I struggle with? Waking up at six in the morning to have an hour with God just to pray. Like I'll wake up because I'll feel him move. And the man is praying for a good, good minute. And I, he pours out his soul there. And then what, what happens when I get up from bed? Wilson is sitting in the living room reading his Bible, spending uh-huh. time with God. 
And he does this on like not just, oh, just during that one time in the morning. This is kind of like a regular thing throughout his day. Yeah. And then I go, am I taking out enough time to be in God's presence that I am full of him Mm -hmm. in my life? Yeah. That That it's no longer your strength. Exactly. And that's what I feel was Jesus. Jesus stronghold. It was a fact that he was so close to his father and constantly would leave everyone to be in his father's presence, to pray, to to, you know, just be able to communicate with him to the point that that was such a thing in his life that his whole life he was able to resemble the character of the father. Mm -hmm. He didn't lose that. But how beautiful it is that through Jesus Christ, everything that is lost is restored. Um, So I just think that when we look at the patience that Jesus had, Instead of just looking at it as something so unattainable, his whole life looks unattainable. Let's look at what he did that took him to the point where it was possible for him, mm-hmm. even though he was completely a human at that time. Yeah. I think from the days that I, I covered, Tuesday is my favorite. And the way it goes about talking about the servant and Jesus, it starts off looking at his pain on the cross this pain changed the way he looked jesus is beaten he was forced to wear a crown of thorns he was nailed to a cross the thing that changes the way he looks the most are our sins god puts our sins on jesus humans were not made by god to sin sin is not natural this is why our sins made jesus look no longer human and i don't know why it took me reading that for that to click to me that sin is not natural because we're we have that thing where it's like we're born sinful so sin sin is something we do naturally that's what that's what it's in our nature but it's not natural as in like god didn't create it god didn't create us to sin we made that decision in the garden with eve y'all know the story Mm -hmm. and then it becomes like a nature something we put on ourselves and not something that's necessarily natural but that part where it talks about the pain and the suffering i remember this one time i was part of this really cool project called the risen and it goes through jesus's miracles and then death on the cross and i remember so think about it i've been through rehearsals like for eight months we've been going through rehearsals i was the stage manager we've been going through rehearsals i've seen this thing acted out multiple times like when i read the gospels there are parts of me that i only hear through the actors voices that's how much (laughs) the those stories are ingrained in my in my head yeah and i remember the first time we were able to actually i was able to see it live with costumes makeup and everything And I remember when the actor gets on the cross and he's nailed and he had this scream when he goes, Eloi, Eloi, Saba, the rest of it, because I can't say that correctly. And there's a shriek in his voice. And I remember tears just rolling down my eyes. There's something different about reading it. There's something different about watching it like on TV and then something about seeing a tangible human play it because it didn't necessarily happen to you. So he's playing it. And it just... And then because I knew the actor, I am I am like, yeah. that's my friend. And seeing him go through that pain, I can only imagine what the disciples did looking at that, how they felt. I, It amazes me how Peter was able to constrain himself in yeah. that time, but not in the garden. Because my blood would be boiling. But then to think about Jesus, again, the restraint that takes to be like, I'm going to let these humans kill me. Yeah. When I could just be like, ah, and this whole like the earth <laughs> exactly will shatter like <laughs> and everything would be over and these humans would be no more. Like mm-hmm. think about that strength and what that took. Jesus literally put on our sins 
so that we didn't have to die that everlasting life. And he took that willingly and painfully. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to say this not to say that go ahead and ke- keep sinning, mm-hmm. but we're able to know that her God loves us just that much, that he would take something that's unnatural mm-hmm. for anyone and take that onto himself just to save us. Mm-hmm. So if you're, again, I think we've been saying that a lot, this Sabbath school lessons. If you're going through something and you're not sure, God has already taken that on him. Jesus has already taken that on to himself and um, made you new and made you whole. And I hope that's your decision um, after listening to this podcast. Definitely, definitely. You know, I think that you putting it in that way, thinking about um, the the risen, things like that, it really puts it into perspective because something I've been really... (laughs) like fighting against recently is this idea that sometimes we read the Bible and we read it like it's any other book Yeah, where these are just characters and we're not thinking of them as human, Mm. as flesh and blood. And I think that's why, for example, the passion of the Christ hit so many people so hard. There's so many people who I know personally that ended up like leaving their old life behind and completely like going to church and getting baptized and just turning their life around. I believe even one of the actors on The Passion of the Christ himself was like, after being a part of that, I didn't believe in Jesus, but this made me look at... Which is so crazy. God, yeah. And it's it's because it's such... It's a story that honestly it makes no sense. Mm-mm. It doesn't make any sense because... And the reason why it doesn't make any sense, and when you were saying it like the strength that it took God, Jesus, to be able to restrain himself, that strength was founded in love. Mm -hmm. It was how strong his love was that it surpassed the pain and the affliction that he was feeling. He wasn't thinking about that moment. He was thinking about that what that moment was going to give the rest of humanity. And so when we think about it that way, it makes no sense to us because we would never be willing to do that for someone that, we know that in the end is going to turn around and basically backstab us. But not even in the end, like someone who has already done that. You know what I mean? You know, it's, it's the it's, people that are there. <laughs> yeah. The people that have already done, because yeah. it's one thing to be like, I'm doing this for someone who loves me right now, even though they might, you know, but it's something like they have already like stabbed me in the back. Yeah. They're, they're literally putting me on the cross and, and, be, and I'm dying. And exactly. I think a lot of the times we don't think that Jesus died for those the Roman soldiers that were putting oh, no, him on the cross everybody. at that time. You know what I mean? Because we're like, there's no way. I, I think I used to think that when I was a kid, like they put him on the cross. They're definitely no way Jesus saved them. But those are the very people Jesus was on the cross for. Yeah, no, I think that um, that's that's the part that we don't understand because we don't love like that. Mm-hmm. We love those who love us. We love those who are good to us. We are good to them. But those that have mistreated us, those that have done something to us, those who have hurt us, it's it's a very, very difficult thing to even be able to forgive them, you know, let alone love them. So I think that it becomes such a like, what? That's impossible thing because we don't know what that's like. Yeah. And then the moment we we get closer to God, the moment we get to know that type of love, that's the moment where we're fully going to be able to walk in Jesus's like shoes and his path be the hands and feet of Jesus, you know, mm-hmm. now with the whole, the whole, be the sermon event that we're promoting and everything, shameless plug, it, it, but it, we were talking about that one song, you know, why aren't his, was it? Why aren't his feet? Why aren't his feet moving? Why aren't his hands and serving? serving. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think about that and I go, we want to be the hands and feet of Jesus, but how are we being that in our regular life? 
not just when we go out and do like outreach community service because we're mm-hmm. like, oh, we need to help the needy. But there are so many people in your very own life that you're harboring feelings of hatred for and that God is love. Yeah. And this is the perfect example of that. So moving on now into Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday hit me hard. <laughs> the, the title that I have, I wonder what title Monya has, but my title has the unreachable is us. What title do you have? The Hard to Save. Okay. Similar. Similar. The idea. Just Let us know which Sabbath school lesson <laughs> y'all have. Because apparently we, are, we have different ones. The Unreachable is Us. And this one hit me in particular because uh, there's a specific part here that when I read it, I was like, ow. <laughs> it says the answer to the question why why would you know Jesus lay down his life for us? Why would God allow this to happen? Is Isaiah's testing truth. Because of God's love, his Messiah would choose to suffer. But why? Isaiah drives the golden spike to complete the unthinkable truth. He would choose to suffer in order to reach the unreachable. And the unreachable is us. Mm. And then I think about it. I'm like... When you think about something unreachable, it's just something that it's like you can't reach. You can't reach them. Another shameless plug, reaching out. Um, <laughs> you can't reach them. And so to think that he died f- for those who were unreachable because of sin. Mm. And now Jesus comes in. And I like something that you said in another recording that's going to come out next week, guys. You said standing in the gap. Mm. Um, and I always think about this like image that I that I've seen somewhere. I don't even know where I've seen it, where basically cross of Jesus yeah. is in the middle of this like uh, abyss that connects God and the sinner um, because there was nothing there before that connection was destroyed. And so I think about like what what you just mentioned about the Roman soldiers. Jesus died to reach those Roman soldiers. Jesus died to reach the worst human that you could think of right now, Jesus died for that person to reach them some way, somehow. Did he have, did he have full assurance that it would happen? No, he didn't have full assurance that these people were going to say, we're going to accept Jesus and the sacrifice that he did. He didn't have full assurance and yet he did it anyways. Yeah. And that's what makes this sacrifice just tremendous that he did it to reach the worst of these. And so, then there's a part of this verse that we were just talking about it before we started recording those verses that make you go, wait, what, <laughs> what was that? And it's an Isaiah 53 10. And I just want to kind of go over that. Isaiah 53 10 says the following. Now I'm reading from new American standard, I think. So Isaiah 53 10 says, but the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief. If he would render himself as a guilt offering, he will see his offspring he will prolong his days and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. Right? Yeah. Right? What? What are you saying? So the Lord was pleased to crush him, to bruise him, to hurt. And by him, we're talking about Jesus. Yeah. We're talking about the suffering servant. Mwenya, what do you think about that? Like what's going so through the, your head? The first thing I'm just like, we, we <laughs> always, um, I think we ever mentioned this before. We always, um, relate God to like your parent and you to your kid. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking Abraham and Isaac, like 
I'm thinking there, mm-hmm. right? Because that's yeah. one of those um, analogies everybody uses. Father, son, Abraham, when he had to take Isaac to the mountain, da, da, da. And I'm thinking, Abraham excited to put Isaac on the altar mm-hmm. and excited to start that fire and give him as a sacrifice to God. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that makes no sense. But I think... What I think it's trying to say, and the mm-hmm. pastor's wife can correct me if I'm wrong, <laughs> um, is that God wasn't happy for Jesus to to suffer, mm-hmm. but he was happy of the result. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like, it was, I don't want to say, like, it was a means to an end, but it was a mm-hmm. means to an end. Mm-hmm. Like, for us to be saved, this had to happen. This was the plan of salvation. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what it's trying to say. For sure. I'm going to read just to to give us a little bit of clarity. The NIV version also helps us with getting a little bit of clarity because you're you're right. You're right on track. Right in the on the right path. Praise Jesus. Um, (laughs) So it says, yet it was the Lord's will. The word there for it pleased him. It's not the pleasure that we know of like cookies. They please me. Yeah. Chocolate chip cookies. I love them. So they please me. No. The please here is the will that it was his will. It was a plan. It was a plan. Exactly. And so I'm going to read something from a Bible commentary that I found because whenever I have questions and I'm a little bit confused, I'm like, let me look to the people who actually know about this. Pastor's (laughs) wives tips from Kenya. That's what you do. That should be a series. (laughs) So it says the hands that crucified and slew, what a word, were no less the hands of lawless men because it was the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God that delivered him up. So what we're getting there is that this didn't happen. And I actually really, really love what this is implying um, because it's especially when we watch like Passion of the Christ mm-hmm. and things like that. In Passion of the Christ, I don't know if, if anyone remembers, there's a scene where um, we see whoever's representing Satan and he's enjoying this moment. And it's almost like he's the one who's put the pieces into play. Even when Jesus tells Judas, like, go and do what you're going to do, yeah. like, go and get it done. You know, and so it almost seems like, oh, this is like Satan's plan to kill Jesus. Mm -hmm. Don't be mistaken. Yeah. The plan was never Satan's. Nothing is ever in his hands. Everything, even this moment, was controlled by God. Because I think technically if if that was Satan's plan, I feel like Satan's plan was like Jesus must not die. Jesus has to sin. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because if Jesus dies, Jesus saves. If Jesus dies and resurrects. Yeah. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Which is why there's the thing about he did want him to sin, which is what we have in the mm-hmm. desert. But then he also, and, and Ellen goes into this actually. Guys, read the Ellens. Okay, read guys? Auntie Ellen. Read the Auntie Ellens. I know some things we like, mm, Auntie Ellen, but for real, for real, like there's so much understanding. And one of those things is that Satan, when Jesus dies on the cross, he is like, like just reveling (laughs) in the fact that he's dead yeah because he thought he would not be able to resurrect because he could not resurrect using his god his father's power yeah he had to resurrect using his own and had he not resurrected it would have all been in vain so it's like all of that might seem even the point and that oh you know why oh when yeah like when you just brought in a good point like i really like how you mentioned that because like now my my brain is bubbling and guys this is the importance of community 
of a spiritual community, a community of church and believers and things like that. And the Bible tells you not to stop, you know, meeting up with other church believers. And I fully believe it's because of this. Yeah. Um, because we have like conversations where Mwenya, for example, will see it one way and I'll see it another way, but it just makes me expand yeah. my perspective. That's true. And so I'm thinking about how w- when we see that Satan tents Jesus in the desert, we could be like, oh, he, you know, he took him there to tempt him. Who actually takes Jesus to the desert? God. It says the spirit led him. Yeah. So then, like, as much as we, and, and that goes on to our lives, where we're like, if something bad happened, we're like, oh, the, 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 the devil. devil. But we cannot give him that much credit to think that everything that happens is under his control. Yeah. And this is one of those things, I feel. Mwenya's like, I wish you guys could see Mwenya because I know, I've come to know Mwenya like well enough that I know when the wheels in her heads are turning because I can see her eyes, they'll start dodging everywhere. She's like, uh, yeah. And she's like dodging her eyes up and down. Share with us. Share with us your thoughts, please. I'd like, I agree with you because there are times where you're you're mm-hmm. going somewhere or you want to go somewhere and thinking about going somewhere. And it's like, mm. perfect example. You know, mm-hmm. when... Um, when you hear someone and they're like, oh, I was going to I, I was going somewhere and I, I didn't feel like going there anymore. And there that's because there was an accident. Mm, God shielded yeah. me from it. Or my I, mom would say that all the time. Yeah. There was a reason why you didn't want to go mm-hmm. to that place. If you're ever late. It's because God was, God, letting, God you was be late. letting you be late. Um, <laughs> it was not. It maybe. was because you maybe you were on Instagram for a little bit too <gasps> long that day, Don't um, or the TikToks. Um, <laughs> but it's like like Kenya's saying, some things are are things that we're driving, and yes, there was an accident on the road, but maybe we would have already passed it, or we would have swerved around it. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. not necessarily that that was supposed to happen to mm-hmm. us or mm-hmm. the devil was planning something and God saved us. And possibly also he could have, mm-hmm. but then some things mm-hmm. are of our own fault. Mm-hmm. We, or if we're running late, we're running late. We do God mm-hmm. forbid get in the accident and we're like, Oh, it's because the devil. No, mm. because you were running late. So you were speeding. Mm-hmm. So while well, you didn't see the red light, therefore this, that, and third. So some things agree with Kenya. Yeah. Some things are not necessarily of like, other forces in a sense it's our own um negligence and hence we have free will libre albedrio in spanish and i think about job Mm -hmm. you know and how like they were like you clearly must have sinned against god and made him angry you know and how like the disciples would be like who sinned him or his parents like if someone like god is like nope no none of them actually he's just blind (laughs) like so it's the same thing Mm -hmm. um here but anyways let us continue so now we understand it's not that it pleased him to see his son suffer it's that ultimately even in this it was god driving the entire plan to happen and although it hurt him his love for humanity was greater um and so he allowed this to happen so there's a, a phrase here that Manya also touched upon, but it says it here. It says, uh, yet all this was God's will. Why? Because Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, mm. which is such crazy, like mm. the words being used. It says, because God made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we become the righteousness of God. It's insane share it always gets me because it's like god he did you know most of the time we hear like oh god put on the sin 
so that we may be saved. He didn't put on the sin. He didn't wear it like a jacket. No. He became the sin. He he transformed into sin, basically. Which is why there's a point where Jesus feels the separation between mm. him and the Father. If there was ever a moment for us to be able to understand what sin causes, that was the epitome of that, like that description. Because ultimately, Jesus was always connected to his father. But by becoming sin, he starts to feel what sin causes. And that's the separation from the divine. And so at that moment, when Jesus calls out and he says, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? Why have you abandoned me? He didn't abandon him, but he was sin. And where sin is, God cannot be. So in your heart, if you're harboring sin, God's presence can't be there. So whenever you feel that distance from God, it's not that he left you. You separated from him by allowing sin, sin. into your life. Yeah. Because that's so, what sin is. Exactly. It's, separ- it's the separation between you and God. And that's that. we can't see that any more clear than yeah. in that moment of Jesus on the cross. So we're going to go in now until Thursday. <laughs> that was a lot of Wednesday. Let's keep Thursday short, guys. Sorry for that. Wendy and I, we'd be, we'd be like, it's going to be really short this time. <laughs> and then and then we just start talking. It says a transforming reparation offering. He gives himself uh, as an offering. Now, just so we all understand and we're all on Just the because page. Kenya's had big words. Mine says <laughs> an offering that forever changes lives. That feels like a long sentence. We could have shortened that. Simpler words. Transformation, reparation, offering. It says the same thing. Yeah, reparations. <laughs> Complicated. <laughs> okay, so it says, what does it mean that the servant's life is an offering for sin? That was the verse we just read in 5310. Now, I think that a perfect way for us to understand that, maybe if you guys haven't in a while, to refresh your thine own memory, uh, if you go back, 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 back into the Old Testament, what do we see end up happening once man sins? He gives a lamb as a sacrifice, right? And we can especially see it once Israel um, is in the desert and they're with Moses and they have their high priests. And so there's this explanation like you're going to grab this sheep, but then there's going to be one that you're going to tell your sins to and then you're just going to leave them in the desert. Like there's an extensive process here, which then leads us to understand what ends up happening the day that Jesus dies. What happens in the temple? That curtain, basically, that separated the holy place from the holiest place, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> I was like, Spanish. Um, the holy place from the holiest place, it becomes destroyed mm-hmm. because there is no longer a need for sacrifice. There is nothing now that separates us from the holiest one because now Jesus has taken on the the place of the ultimate offering. So that's why you and I no longer have to like go look for a Poor little lamby lamb. That is perfect and unblemished. And beautiful and just fuzzy and white. And we don't have to take him with our own hands, slit their throat, and put him on an altar. Thank God for that. Because yeah. I could not. I'm so glad I was born after Christ. Like after Jesus came. <laughs> would be vegetarian. Y- yes. I fully would be vegetarian. I think so too. I think I think so too. We are vegetarian. What are you talking about? We are super vegan. Vegan. (laughs) Vegan. Uh, Hashtag vegan life. I love it. Yay, tofu. Um, So then we have Jesus become this ultimate offering. So he is offering himself 
And that's the important part. And here's something that I really love. Listening to my husband makes things so much more clearer for me. And one of those things is that we also, when we think about Jesus' death, we think about him dying um, and his life being taken, right? Yeah. The imagery is like, oh, they like hit him and they abused him and they put him on a cross and the nails. And once you understand the science of crucifixion, that's like on a whole other, like the intensity of why they did it, the way they did it, the mm-hmm. positioning, everything is crazy. When we think about it, we think like, oh, he died because of all these things. Yeah. But no, no, no one takes his life because then if they took his life, it would not be an offering. What do you do to an offering? Does someone take the offering or do you offer it? <laughs> you give it right. You give the offering, which is why it's an offering from you. He offered his life. He gave his life. That's why it's so important to know when Jesus is on the cross, what does he say to God? He says, God, in your hands, I, I give someone. Something. I give you my spirit. That. He gives up his life for his friends. And it's a literal gives up. It's yeah. not, oh, I, I let myself be carried off to get killed. It's I literally gave my breath of life up for my friends. That hits it on a whole so nother. you can never say you give up. I feel like that's what this is saying. Yeah, what? I can never say I give up unless I'm like giving up. Yeah. Does yes. that make sense? Yeah, it does. <laughs> Took me a while. Unless I'm like Jesus and giving up. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so it just, it, it, for me, it gives it a different perspective to know that he literally I gave love up that. his life. So uh, it talks here about how the Hebrew word refers to a guilt, a reparation offering, which could atone for deliberate wrongs against other people. And then Isaiah signals out what these wrongs are, what the sins of the people were, goes into a lot of verses of Isaiah. You know, go check it out. And then it says, also the sinner must return, restore to the wrong person that which was taken plus a penalty before offering the sacrifice to receive forgiveness from God. And so now we can understand um, in Isaiah 42, where God comforts his exiled people by telling them they have paid enough reparation for sins, but following reparations, what must there be? A sacrifice. And in comes God's servant at that point in Isaiah to become that offering. And so it, what I really like about this one on Thursday is that it gives you a lot of verses throughout the Bible reflecting the same basic message of Isaiah 53. And I'm not going to go into depth with something that I was going to mention, um, but I just want to s- kind of quickly touch up. Oh, man, I moved it. Psalms. Read the Psalms. I think it's very important for us to get to know Psalms. Psalm 16 and 22 specifically psalm 16 and 22 i have a series it's really good actually not because i prepared it but because it just kind of really took us there but it's called psalms and the promised messiah we never think of david as a prophet but if you go into these psalms it's going to change your mind and psalm 16 and 22 goes into the prediction of the resurrection and the passion of the christ all with imagery um so in the bible here in in the lesson for Thursday, it goes through that. It tells you to look for in Romans and Psalms and Hebrews and Philippians and first Peter, all of these places where it's reflecting the same message mm-hmm. from Isaiah 53. It's just letting me know that all throughout the Bible, what is the one string that connects That's it all? The story of redemption. That is the one thing that connects everybody. So um, before I finish this part off, I just wanted to read something from the desire of ages. It says, Satan, and this is from the chapter unto you a savior. And it says, Satan in heaven had hated Christ for his position in the courts of God. He hated him the more when he himself was dethroned. He hated him who pledged himself to redeem a race of sinners. 
Yet into the world where Satan claimed dominion, God permitted his son to come, a helpless baby, subject to the weakness of humanity. He permitted him to meet life's peril in common with every human soul, to fight the battle as every child of humanity must fight it at the risk of failure and eternal loss because there was that risk. Mm -hmm. And then that ends with this. And this, I, I promise you, when I read this, my heart, like it just, I, it was beautiful. It says, to me, a bitterer conflict and a more fearful risk, God gave his only begotten son that the path of life might be made sure for our little ones. Herein is love. Wonder, O heavens, and be astonished, O earth. Wow. It just, it gives me goosebumps when I think about it because it's true. The entire, entire universe, the worlds that did not fall, they're looking at this sacrifice and it's like we can no longer deny that God is a God of love, mm -hmm. that he would allow this to happen. So wonder, O heavens, and be amazed, O earth. It's just... Poetry. Po at its finest. The anguish in her. The Auntie Ellen's out here, man. Just get into my heart. Um, so that's pretty much the end of Thursday. And then Friday goes into a review. And we have some text from Ellen uh, talking a little bit about this in deeper. And Auntie Ellen, you better put some respect on me. <laughs> Listen, the Auntie Ellen, man, she be, she be like just tugging at my heartstrings in a different way the older I get. Um, but just this last part where she says he secured eternal life to men while he exalted the law and made it honorable. Um, he did so many things as he walked here on earth. Jesus, he gave us such an example to follow. He let us know that it was also possible to walk a life without um, sin, that we could do that. He showed us how to treat others. He showed us how to serve God the way we're supposed to serve God by being willing to give up our life yeah. for our friends other people and uh we don't have to do that because he already paid that ultimate price um but what we can do now is live a life of love that same love that was demonstrated to us we can live that out and so i think that our biggest aspirations should be to be that suffering servant for the one who suffered for us so that's what is it wednesday thursday friday <laughs> i was like what day is it <laughs> yeah so what's your um your thought your pinnet thought your the thought from the week yeah yeah for me it, it's encompassed in that like that part I read from the desire of ages that just that those three words herein is love like this is love mm -hmm. and it just for me it gives me hope um, because like you mentioned earlier there are times that we feel we have fallen so far from grace that we have fallen so far from God that nothing could ever bring us back. Nothing could ever connect us. But the beautiful thing is that grace is sufficient. And that's actually one of my favorite verses, 2 Corinthians 9, 12. Um, no, 12, 9. Whoops, 12, 8, 9. I don't know it in English, but I'm going to try. Um, basically, it just says that. Say it in Spanish. Now I forgot it in Spanish, too. <laughs> like, I'm just trying <laughs> all of the words. Okay, I know it in Spanish. Uh Bástate mi gracia, porque mi poder se perfeccione en tus debilidades. Uh, basically, like, my grace is sufficient, you know, um, and my power becomes stronger in your weaknesses. Yes. And so it, Paul says, so then I rejoice even in my weaknesses, because when I am weak, you are strong. Mm -hmm. And it's beautiful, um, although sometimes it's sad that we forget, but just to be able to go back into the story, as well as we think we know this story, the more we read it, the more we're amazed by it. 
And the more I'm amazed that um, no matter how far each of us has gone, no matter how much we sin, no matter the things that we've done, grace is still sufficient to cover all of our sins. Yeah. So that's mine. What about yours? So mine is taken from Isaiah 53 verse 6 and it says, all of us are like sheep have gone astray. Each of us have turned to his own way, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. I'm glad you read it right that time. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. That's yeah. That last sentence mm-hmm. caused the iniquity of sin to fall on him. Yeah, he's taking it all. But it's done. Uh, All right. Well, (laughs) guys, thank you for putting up with us for yet another Sabbath school edition. I think this was a wonderful one. I'm really liking these. Like me too. Not that I didn't like the other ones. Um, they were just harder. (laughs) There was a lot of the Syrians, the the numbers, the peoples. uh, There was a lot of it. Obviously, me and Kenya not history buffs. I love history, just not that one. Um, (laughs) there was a lot happening. Um, but yeah, any announcements for us while we wind down? Keep up on the socials. The socials will give you all, everything that you need. Um, make sure you're following us everywhere. You can follow the podcast at youme.we. Nope. Youmewe.pod. There we go. This week has been horrible with oh, me remembering the socials. What a week. <laughs> so, um, and then on the GC pages, we have the Facebook at GC Youth Ministries. And the Instagram at GC Youth. Yes. Short and sweet. Excellent. Remember, Global Youth Day, right around the corner. You heard a word from our sponsors at the beginning of the episode. And, um, yeah, make sure that whatever projects you're doing, GYD21, hashtag them, hashtag Global Youth Day 21. Also, make sure you know when your kickoffs are. We've been promoting those on Instagram and on Facebook. So make sure you're checking that out to know when we will be live for your time zone. Just uh, having a nice, very interesting, very excellent program put together by Miss Manya herself. And we're excited Mm. for the things. And also, don't miss out our next episode that's coming out next week um, about adulting. Yeah. Yeah. And we have a fun guest with us. So... Shout out to the PCMers. Yes, PCMers. (laughs) All right. Well, Mwenya, what do we say to our friends? All righty, guys. Bye-bye.